This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium. Now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business, a daily podcast hosted by Business News. With the Tokyo Olympics upon us and the Brisbane Olympics set for 2032, journalist Matt McKenzie today discusses with that close of business the economic impact of the Olympics, what it means for Australia and for taxpayers in WA. But first, here's the news you need to know today. Osborne Park-based Decimal Group has narrowed its earnings forecast for the full financial year, while flagging a $9.7 million write-down over one of its contracts. Decimal has also entered a trading halt ahead of a proposed capital raising. It expects to earn between $7.5 million and $8 million from continuing operations in fiscal 2021, compared with its previous $6 to $10 million forecast, which was announced on June 4. The company revealed the delays last month, while lowering its revenue guidance for this financial year from $360 million to between $300 and $320 million. The company says it has taken a more conservative approach to its profit position due to previously announced problem contracts, including a terminated agreement with New Zealand's Prisons Department, which led to the closure of Decimal's New Zealand business in April of last year. That was followed by the resignation of its chief executive, Scott Criddle. Today, Decimal announced it would write down $9.7 million to contract position for a legacy legal dispute, but said this wouldn't affect the company's cash position, which stood at $30 million at the end of last year. Meanwhile, shares in Silver Lake Resources have dropped 10% today after the gold miner revealed the impact of labour shortages on its Mount Munger mine in WA. In an ASX announcement earlier today, Silver Lake said it would modify its operating strategy at Mount Munger to reflect the skills shortage and difficulties in moving labour around, resulting in lower productivity at the mine as well as higher costs. Mount Munger, which is located in the eastern goldfields region, produces about 36,000 ounces in the three months to June 30, slightly up on Silver Lake's production for the March quarter, but down nearly 20% on the same time last year. Its shares were down 9.6% at 1pm today to trade at $1.59 each. And Jenny Seabrook, one of the state's most senior and experienced non-executive directors, has been appointed to the board of health insurer HBF. She is currently chair of Deterra Royalties, Iluca Resources' mining royalties holding spin-off and serves on the board of construction outfit BGC Australia. Prior to that, she has served as deputy chair of Western Power, as well as non-executive director at Iluca Resources, Seven West Media, Western Australian Treasury Corporation and Bank West. HBF is the state's fourth largest fund manager, according to data and insights, with $1.44 billion worth of assets under management. We'll be right back. We understand that business relies on being informed. That's why Business News is your most reliable source of news, industry insights and business connections. To stay fully informed, we encourage you to subscribe to our emails, Click through our magazine and visit businessnews.com.au for daily news updates. It's the best way to ensure you have the information you need to be future ready. Business News. More news, more insights, more connections. 
Matt, we've gone globetrotting this week to talk about the Olympics. Now, it's not ordinarily a Western Australian-focused story, but uh, you've got a lot of economic opinions on the Olympics, and not just because of the Tokyo Olympics, but Brisbane's going to host it in 2032. Now, you've done a lot of research and you've looked quite deep at this issue. I haven't, and that's why I want to know about the economics of the Olympics throughout history. It's going to be fun. It's going to be (laughs) Uh, so, just a, a first observation would be, I was chatting to Colin Barnett last year for an article, and he said, uh, you know, getting out of COVID, we need something to inspire Australia. Uh, and he said, you know, back after World War II, there was Snowy Hydro, there was making cars, historically there was the Sydney Harbour Bridge, um, and he suggested the transcontinental gas pipeline. Well, maybe it'll be the Brisbane Olympics that inspires the country as we come out of this crisis. Um, but these things are very expensive. Uh, Montreal, in 76, they took three decades to pay off. Uh, Beijing, allegedly, this is what I read this morning, 45 billion. Sochi, Sochi in Russia, the Winter Olympics, 50 billion. This is all of the infrastructure, all of the building, all the rest of it. Rio, 20. Uh, London, they, they estimated it to be five, and it ended up costing 18 billion. So they're extremely expensive. Um, and the only games in recent years, or at least up until uh, earlier in the decade, that had ever run a surplus was Los Angeles. Uh, and they had a huge increase in broadcast revenue. They, they ran a surplus in 1984, but that's the end of it, basically. So Olympics are very expensive, and that's led uh, the Olympic Committee to change, supposedly change, the way that bids are managed in order to bring the costs down, which brings us to Brisbane. Ah, yes, Brisbane. Well, obviously, Sydney had the Olympics in 2000. I was about four years old, so I can't remember it. Uh, But I've been past Homebush Stadium before, and I've seen the Brick Pit. uh, Beautiful sight. Now, you've looked a bit at what it might cost for Brisbane. How much would Queensland be paying, and how much would the federal taxpayer be paying for this? Yeah, good question. Uh, I was alive in the Sydney Olympics. I was there. I was 10, though. I didn't really know what was going on, but everyone was talking about it. Mm. Uh, The claim is that this will cost $5 That's the claim. Uh, and the federal government has committed to pay for half, which, if we're being honest here to a West Australian audience, who are the, which state is the biggest over-contributor to the Federation? It's Western Australia. Uh, the tax we pay here uh, exceeds the spending in our state, including our share of defence spending, all of it, you know, the education, the hospitals, the, uh, the welfare payments for WA. Uh, the amount that we chip into the Federation exceeds the federal government spending here by about... 20 billion some years, at least in in the highest years. So it's an extraordinary amount. Um, Queensland, even though it's a strong economy, has historically even done, you know, it's even been a recipient in terms of the GST and stuff, but this is beyond the GST. So, you know, WA will be chipping in to help the Queenslanders pay for their Olympic Games. Now, this is being done a little bit differently. The intention is it's going to be much less expensive than previous Olympics because they're going to use existing facilities from the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games a few years ago. It's going to be a whole southeast Queensland thing. They're going to be using existing venues. And I had a look at the pitch today, the pitch documents. US $4.5 billion, that's in 2032 dollars, uh, will be the revenue and the spending. And they match up, according to the pitch document, exactly. Perfectly balanced budget, which makes me extremely suspicious. Uh, all of that supposedly privately funded. Uh, they're going to get $1.5 billion from sponsorship, um, which, quote, seems achievable. And when you see these documents with words like, <laughs> this seems achievable, this seems realistic, you've got to sort of wonder. Uh, venue infrastructure, $633 million. The document says, quote, on the low side. 
So how many stadiums are they going to be building? Well, they need at least, I think it's uh, somewhere between five and ten new stadiums they're going to need to build for different things. Not huge stadiums, but we're talking like swimming pools and such. So if you can do that for half a billion dollars, I'd be very impressed. Uh, the communications budget, 173 million. Understated was the word that went along with that. Um, so the other thing to consider is there's a lot of crowding out from this sort of stuff. So if you do go and get $1.5 billion in domestic sponsorship for your Olympics, that number, of course, which seems achievable, uh, what that does mean is that the companies will be not spending their marketing somewhere else, right? So um, it might mean that not-for-profits miss out on a bit of the revenue, uh, or it could be you know, community groups in Queensland. Um, the thing we've got to remember on this stuff is when the government spends money on Olympics, uh, or the infrastructure to go with the Olympics, that's money that's not getting spent somewhere else. Um, now, KPMG, I think it was, did the economic assessment. They said it'll be a US $13.5 billion economic and social benefit for Australia. Uh, I don't believe that. Yes, no, I have uh, read some articles on that document, and uh, I do question some of the estimates that they have made. Now, you've spoken a bit about the general impact here, but I think what I hear a lot is that the Olympics benefit tourism. There's going to be significant tourism spend, and as I gather, that might not actually be the case. Yeah, there's some interesting history on this too, and I was reflecting on this this morning when we were preparing for the podcast. And you know what? I think if you're like a Los Angeles, you've got 50 million visitors a year. I'm not convinced that it benefits you in tourism. If you're London, and London calls themselves the capital of the world, uh, well, I don't know how much tourism benefit you get from hosting the Olympics, long term, anyway. Um, certainly not enough during the Olympic period to make up for all the spending. Um, do they get any long-term benefit? Not quite clear. Uh, one example that is famously quite successful was Barcelona in 1992. They went from the 11th most visited destination in Europe to the 6th. Uh, they uh, had 1.7 million tourists in 1990. 14 years later, it had increased by 6 million. Mm. So it was good for their brand, and Brisbane might be in that same sort of league. I think with the example of Sydney, everyone knows the Harbour Bridge, everyone knows the Opera House around the world. They're very, very well-known icons. Um, whereas Brisbane, I mean, there's nothing particularly per se that's on like the international stage. Uh, so it could, be, it could benefit them in that way. It could shine the attention, oh, hey, you know, we're a sunny beach city uh, and we're not Sydney, so come here. So that could be positive for them. Uh, a few other thoughts, though. I mean, in Barcelona, one of the famous things they did is they built beaches. They improved their beaches along the foreshore near the city and near the Olympic area. Apparently, it was previously like a wasteland of industrial rubbish. Um, they imported sand from Egypt. I've been to those beaches, very beautiful. They did a great job um, and went around the precinct there. Fantastic. But of course, you don't need an Olympics to do that. You could just do that anyway. Um, the other point on the tourism is there's, uh, there's been some work done on this. You have this short-term massive peak in demand um, and supply isn't necessarily adjusted to, to compensate for it. No one's gonna, I mean, it'd be silly to go and build huge new hotels you know, numbers and numbers of new hotels that you're only going to use for a two-week period. So that's part of the challenge. You're bringing on all this new supply, and will you ever use it? Same thing with the infrastructure and the venues. You're, you're building these venues that are only going to be used maybe once, twice, or a week at best. Um, if you're building a stadium, if it's a cycling center or an aquatic center, it's not going to be used that often. So is that beneficial? If you're going to spend $5 billion on something, and that's the number we've heard, uh, if you're going to spend billions of dollars on infrastructure, should it be building a new stadium or should it be going towards something that will bring society more benefit? 
I think there's a very, very open question there. So ultimately, Olympics are a lot of fun and a lot of hoopla and great to watch, but I'm not quite sure that the host city benefits economically all that much, Jordan. Mm, yes, well, Bob Carr famously said that uh, Sydney's Olympics were cost-effective. I believe he even used the phrase cost-neutral. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if that's the case in Brisbane and Queensland. It'll be interesting to see how this impacts on Anastasia Palaszczuk's legacy. Matthew, thank you for talking to me about the Olympics. Thanks, Jordan. This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium. Now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. If you like what you've heard, head to our Spotify page to like and subscribe. New episodes of At Close of Business are available every day in time for our afternoon wrap. I'm Jordan Murray. See you tomorrow.